Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next two hours are devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, albeit a very important subject today, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, and our chat room monitor, Andrea, await you there now. I'm glad you're with us, Andrea. You just keep those pillows all bolstered up around you now. Andrea's expecting right away, so I can't tell you anymore. I get dirty looks to even mention it, so I'll be quiet. You can log on and join everyone in the chat room by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have some truly great folks to join us every week. So, Ravinder, tell us all about the chat room, please. We have a lovely chat room, a great group of people, inspiring conversation, very educational. I learn bunches from them. And if you come join us, too, then you will learn as well. That is provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. All right. In today's spotlight, I want to direct your attention to funnels. Not the sort of funnel that you might use in your kitchen or when adding transmission fluid to your car, but the sort that funnels you to a predetermined position, a position that exists for the sole purpose of selling you a product, a position, a belief, and or an alternative. Marketers use funnels on their Internet every day. A good funnel begins providing you with information you are seeking and does so without a cost attached. But next, it offers a second stage to the information that leads you further in the funnel. Then there are typically a few offers that cost very little and promise much. Once you have committed to this, the upsell begins. And so goes the marketing funnel. The idea funnel is not unlike the marketing funnel, but is designed to first identify and qualify you by way of your present position. So say you tend to be liberal, but the objective is to move you more toward the conservative position. By providing you free information and getting your feedback, usually via a survey of some sort, the funnel is set. Now you are presented with information that you want to hear that you approve of, but with a sleight of hand. This time the information contains primes, primes known to cause one to slide little by little toward a more conservative view. These primes I've discussed many times, and they can be as simple as a picture of children playing or surveys weighted with questions targeting a child's safety. When we think of our children or things like disease or safety in general, these thoughts cause us to become more cautious in our opinions and actions. That leads us toward a more conservative position. Thus, the funnel is disguised, for while we think we are reading and participating in a liberal, like-minded platform, it is indeed a platform that exists for the sole purpose of changing our positions. Funnels are a powerful tool, especially on the Internet, because they are interactive. And unlike a conversation with a neighbor, co-worker, boss, or friend, we feel somewhat anonymous and therefore safer in expressing our thoughts. As such, 
the nudging goes unnoticed and unchallenged. And pretty soon, as you learn in my latest book, Gotcha, The Subordination of Free Will, they pretty much own you. Now, there are two other operative factors going on with funnels that we should be aware of. The first is what social psychologists refer to as a compliance principle, and that is our need for consistency. What that means is this. Once we have expressed an opinion, we will defend it, and it will infect the rest of our thinking that may have a corollary relationship. As such, the web of our life beliefs has just been tweaked, and we neither know how or why it happened. However, that will not stop us from making up a reason for the change in our position. We will justify it and thereby further anchor the new position in our minds. The second important aspect to be aware of is this. We all want to hear what we want to hear. I have said this many times, but it can't be overemphasized. To be free of this limiting bias, you must shop around. You must open your minds to alternative possibilities and be aware that everyone is trying to sell you something. So the next time you think you have found a new sympathetic ear, especially by way of the Internet, my challenge to you is shop around. Watch out for those primes and funnels. It is much more difficult today than any time in our past to be truly informed because the manipulative skills out there are so sophisticated and prevalent. Your thoughts on this one, Ravinder? You know, this is one of my favorite subjects, kind of. You know, it's not the most uh, inspiring, but it is empowering, too. These issues are so pervasive out there, you know, whether it's uh, in entertainment, with politics, but it's not just there, too. You know, these things infiltrate every area. So even if you turn the TV off and all of that, you're still intaking the information through friends and family and other conversations. And then even when it's not to do with politics, everyone is trying to push their own ideas, their own values. So in religion, you get the pushing of, you know, the religious ideas, but it's just a different form of power. I've been paying more and more attention to this stuff recently. And what I found is it's easy to see cognitive dissonance in other people. But there have been some instances recently where I've seen this stuff in someone else. It smacked me in the face, but the other person was totally unaware of it. It's like, how can you believe this and also not believe that it doesn't make any sense, you know, your actual belief system. But that just has me thinking... I wonder what it is in my own beliefs that I'm doing the same thing. So it does cause me to question myself and search even more for my real self, which is in there somewhere. But it's a, it's a process. It's a process, and you have to keep on educating yourself in order to see through it. At least that's my two bits. Or as one young lady said, just tune out because I'm too busy to be concerned about what's right or wrong, and I know they're all trying to brainwash me. That's not my choice, and that's not the choice of your audience. All right. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week our show featured Professor William Tiller, and we discussed his work and research demonstrating consciousness interacting with the material universe. Tiller informed us that he discounted both the work of Emoto and Raiden regarding the crystallization of water influenced by intent, since they neither had the training nor the equipment to do this work properly. One of Professor Tiller's specialties is crystallization, so he is definitely in a position of authority to know. Tiller also informed us that his intention research utilized muscle testing to measure results. 
Adam wrote, I don't think muscle testing is reliable since, as you pointed out during the show and as Dr. Tiller admitted, the attitude of the tester and subject can be so easily influenced. A tester, just knowing they were testing for Tiller, would probably influence the outcome. So my question, did Tiller guard against this bias by sending negative messages as well as positive ones in an attempt to keep the testers honest? Well, that's an excellent question, Adam. But I'm sure the answer is a capital no, if for no other reason than the ethical considerations involved. CB commented, the more that is revealed about the Emoto experiment, the more it sounds like an art project rather than a scientific experiment. But a lot of folks believe that it is possible to influence the physical properties of water with intent. His science was possibly pooky, but was he wrong? I think this is the realm of art, to inspire and influence, hopefully, positively, people. Perhaps Simoto did not completely screw things up as far as human thought is concerned, but it does give those of the fundamental science religion fuel to bash all experiments around this subject area. Janet wrote, I love your shows, but sometimes you get pretty deep and I lose you. Fortunately, there is your YouTube channel and I subscribe so I can listen again and again until the light goes on. When I understand, a whole new world opens up to me, so thank you for your show. It is like no other. Do you think we get that deep, Ravinder? Sometimes, occasionally, but there, there are other times there is so much stuff going on that you do have to play it again in order to get the full value. I've done that, you know, and I'm familiar with the subject beforehand, and you and I talk, and I hear the show, and I still find that when I play the show again, I get even more out of it, so mm-hmm. it's worth doing. And it's so easy these days with podcasts. I've just got it on my phone, and I play it in the kitchen. It's cool. The YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Provocative Enlightenment, that's mm-hmm. a place to go for replays. You know, and As far as I'm concerned, you get more there than you get out of just the podcast, but that's okay. You can get it anywhere, including our archives. If you're not getting our free newsletter, whoops. Moving on, Rebecca wrote, I don't want to leave this letter out. Ravinder, I wanted to let you know I've followed your newsletter email for some time, and I love it. Your writing style is so warm and personal. Now, I know you like that, don't you, sweet? I do. I do indeed. Uh, I've actually have received a few comments, quite a few comments for the newsletter I'm doing. Um, you know, they do say that you teach what it is that you want to learn. And so I am working as hard as I can to learn as much as I possibly can. And, you know, I try to be real and authentic. I'm not going to give airy, fairy, glittering generalities. I don't believe in that stuff. I'm on my search for the truth, and that means everything that life entails. So Cool. Tell everybody how to subscribe to the newsletter so they can get a copy as well. You know, you can go to any of our sites, go to provocativeenlightenment.com and you can subscribe there. Go to eldentaylor.com and you'll have the ability to subscribe there as well. Okay. Elizabeth wrote, your InterTalk programs are lifesavers. I can't believe how quickly and powerfully they work. Thank you for your dedication to making lives better. And finally, Jean wrote, your new book, Gotcha, is without a doubt so revealing that I am excited that it is now in print for all to see. In the dark ages, this would never have been allowed to seep into the mainstream, but because of the very technology used to steal our free will, the opposite is happening. All right, if you've not read this one, you should, and you can still take advantage of the freebies that come with the book if you go to eldentaylor.com 
and choose the gotcha banner at the top of the page. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at eldontaylor.com, or by joining me on Facebook, and I want to thank all of you for your letters and comments. We truly appreciate your feedback and support. And my pretty princess, she just gets all blushed up when she gets those nice letters, so send her more. <laughs> now to this week's show, ESP induction through forms of self-hypnosis. Okay, this show is likely to cover much more than the title suggests because of the background and experience our guest brings to the show. He's a bit of a polymath, so let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Richard Allen Miller is a pioneer in the annals of metaphysical and paranormal exploration. Miller began working in the X-Files world of Navy Intel, SEAL Corp., and the MRU in the late 60s. His public collaborations and research continue. As an original Black Ops team member, Miller's research in the field of paranormal began as a graduate physicist working 11 years with Navy Intel. During this period, numerous foundational papers, including a holographic concept of reality and embryonic holography, were written. His writings and presentations reveal a depth of knowledge and practical experience in three major fields, alternative agriculture, New Age physics, and metaphysics. Miller now writes for Nexus Magazine. So on that, let's get him in. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Good morning. How are you today, sir? I am uh, fighting off chemtrails, and I really enjoyed the questions on structured water. I wished we could address those at some point today because... Dr. Jerry Pollack, who is at the University of Washington, writing on the fourth phase of water, was my lead in 1970 when I left Boeing. Well, you know, I plan on that. You're one of these guests. You're one of these guests that without reading your books, you're one of these guests that without reading your books, I've got 40, 50 questions. And then when I open your books, well, you know, they just add on. So I don't know how we're going to get through it all in two hours, but we're going to try. That's because you have me back. And we'll take one subject at a time, and we'll try it up. All right. Well, let's see where we go. The first, the first thing that we like to know on this show, three things actually. Who is the messenger? What is the message? And how do we use it? So, to that end, please tell us about your life as a young person. What did you want to be when you grew up? When did you decide you were going to get into intelligence and so forth? Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, I. Was making pipe bombs when I was 12 years old with my ChemCraft chemistry set. Uh, Navy loved me. It was in my junior and senior year at Mount Rainier High School in Seattle, out in Des Moines, that a bullseye was put on me by old man Dupont himself. Um, basically, in 1960, I my junior year science fair project was called a, a new Maison field theory discussing muons and the creation of a tachyon factory. And then, in my senior year, I built a linear accelerator where I was the first American to demonstrate particles going faster than the speed of light. Now, those two experiments were used on the Mariner 4 in 1964 to measure the water on Mars. And I am still working Navy Intelligence at 72, and I am working a thing right now called the Mars Project. In 1970, when Jerry hired me to work in anesthesiology, I was 
last working on Lunar Base Alpha-1, which later became the Space Center in Kent, Washington. At that time, it was still at the Boeing Scientific Research Laboratories in South Park. My father was working in plasma physics, and I was a whiz kid. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. But now, since you brought up Mars, I, I have to ask you, you know, there, there are a the lot Martian of conspiracy theories. Movie. There's Everybody a lot of conspiracy. could see it. It brought tears to my eyes. It was a nice go-feel-good thing. In yeah, 1968, it, we sent, I saw the top-secret documents. In 1968, one year before the moon, we sent a joint manned expedition to Mars. I have no idea what actually happened. Um, I know that we are on Mars. The Mars project that I currently work is out of Kailua, where we're using a 3D printer to print a 30-foot geodesic dome in one foot of cement with a cadmium outer layer for radiation shield. That is a project that is happening right now for a lunar ba- uh, for the Mars project. It will most likely move from the hydroponic systems I was working for the moon and use a new form of vertical aquaculture. Now, okay, I, I want to make sure I got that right. You're saying in 1968 we sent two men to Mars. was the flyby where I discovered, I saw three top secret documents in 1970. I had a vault permit that allowed me, that's above top secret, that means I ran the vault. I, know. I went into the vault to become familiar, and I saw three top-secret documents. In 64, that's when I discovered who I was, because of the experiments, using this kid's experiments from Seattle, Washington. Then, in 67, they detonated a nuclear warhead, about the same time they did Antarctica, taking out the Nazis. And they detonated a nuclear warhead on the south pole of Mars in the first unsuccessful attempt to terraform it. Then, in 68, they sent a joint manned expedition to Mars, and that's when I started to realize that everything was a false flag, because the partner we were with was Russia, and that was during the Cold War. Well, you just gave me a little more to digest, than I, I think know. I'm, I, I'm I ready to right this minute. And you'll want to play this over and over again to get everything that I say. I'm going to try to do it without any disinformation to be That's, literal. It's so, about time that we have disclosure. You ask me why I'm here. We are at the end of days, and we have choices on how we're going to exit with a mass extinction. This is the sixth epoch. The temperatures of the ocean right now are two degrees above what brought on the Jurassic period. You okay. will have a day after tomorrow. That uh, is, you, 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 that you, have, you have launched way past where I expected to be at this point in the show, but when you say that, uh, I'm just going to direct you right to one of the major causal factors, or what I deduce is one of those major causal factors, and that's Fukushima. Uh, what's 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 going on there? We got all kinds Fukushima of sea life. Is Hotel California, and it will be about water. Matt Stein and I do urban survival skill workshops. We just came back from Kansas City and the huge RK 
gun show, which will now be in December in Wichita. We'll be doing urban survival skill workshops there. The grid will be the first thing that collapses. And we have had several potential kill shots just in the last months. We've been very lucky. Once the grid goes down, municipalities will no longer be able to deliver water. And what are you going to do? Well, but how is the grid related to Fukushima and the radioactive mess in the Pacific? It's not, and it is. We have actually a number of extinction-like potential events coming on, of which Fukushima's cesium-137 cloud is now, this morning, posted on Facebook, uh, entering the West Coast. You may go to my blog site at doc. Ram.com. That will take you directly to the posts on sustainable lifeboats and other things that I'm doing to try to at least give people heads up. Okay, I understand it's illegal in Japan for anybody to even comment on Fukushima. Is that true, or do you know? Well, yeah, they have a gag order. There have been people that have been taken to court for trying to dis- disclose what's actually happening. And right now, all of our waste materials throughout the world, including the United States, is handled by mafias. In this case, it's the Yakuza, and they are totally unequipped to handle what is happening right now. It's out of control. And Gunderson, others, have spoken out, out, outright on this problem. We right now on the West Coast, if you go to the NETC.com, the Nuclear Emergency Tracking Center.com, you will see that Bellevue, Washington, has a RADCON 4 just dead, had a RADCON 4 level alert. It's falling out of the atmosphere right now. It's throughout North America. You can watch it change every minute. Okay, well, the background now- radiation has increased. Ten times over what it was prior to Fukushima. Is that dangerous? Yes and no. Yes, in that babies with thyroid, like in Tokyo, right now, there's a 48% incident in thyroid anomalies in all children in Tokyo. And it gets worse. Uh, We have no idea what it means. I would put a dosimetry badge on if I were going to be exposed to a 1,000-time normal background. At 100 times would be like the flight you would take from Asia into LAX. They are now cleaning those aircraft in undisclosed places because of the DEQ problems and the radiation that's washing off the outer layer of the stratosphere uh, that would cling to... an aircraft. It's like a being in a microwave. It's dangerous to now fly. Your exposure is literally 100 times that of normal background radiation. And while it may not affect older adults because we're old and grizzly and it doesn't matter, young children are extremely affected by this. When you talk about Washington State and radiation, I, I think of Hanford and the Columbia River. That's and, another and, major problem. In fact, all of your nuclear power plants 
are more than 20 years old, and they're all leaking. The Columbia River last year had at least six barrels discovered and may have accounted for the radiation that they were seeing in the tuna that was coming out of San Francisco. I don't know why or where, which is causing that tuna and the higher elevated radiation levels. I do know that the I know this. <laughs> I know this, Dr. Miller. We have a break coming up, and I don't want you cut off by the computer. We launched into this one a little faster than I thought, but when we come back from the break, we'll catch our breath and pick it up. We're speaking with Dr. Richard Allen Miller about his life, work, research, and newest book, ESP Induction Through Forms of Self-Hypnosis. And believe me, we'll get to the book. To learn more about Dr. Miller, visit his website at DocRam. That's D-O-C-R-A-M dot com. Okay, remember to join Ravinder and Andrew in the chat room. You can do that by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Change has never been easier. Whether you wish to lose weight, stop smoking, build better relationships, become creative, enjoy ultra-prosperity, or simply relax and promote self-healing, InnerTalk has been repeatedly demonstrated effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies. Our customers love InnerTalk. Sean wrote, I have struggled with bulimia for over 30 years and have never been able to lose weight without restoring to it until I used InnerTalk. Vicki wrote, My hubby has been using the Stop Snoring CD and already his dangerous and raucous snoring levels have stopped. Celeste wrote, I recently graduated from Taft Law School with honors. I'm writing to tell you how much your InnerTalk CD, Excel in Exams, has helped me. With over 300 titles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check it out today by going to InnerTalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're chatting with Dr. Richard Allen Miller about his life, work, research, and books. Now, we ask our guests for three pieces of music, three of their favorites, music that has some genuine significance to them. Music is more important to us than most recognize. It can awaken forgotten memories and has even restored lost states of consciousness. Indeed, a new emerging field called music psychology looks into the practical relevance in many areas where music overlaps, including investigations of human aptitude, skill, intelligence, creativity, personality, and social behavior. So we can get a little bit of self-disclosure from the music our guests choose. Now, your musical choices, Dr. Miller, were a bit confusing since the names you gave the pieces... When in Seattle, when I was working military... I had a bookstore on the Ave in the University District. And I had Cold Mountain Juice Company up in Wallingford. I had a couple of other things that I was doing. But the bookstore was there primarily as the first occult bookstore in the country. It opened one, one month before Herman Slater's Warlock Shop. And David Bowie used to fly all the way over from England just to have it that store in Seattle. And I got to know him. And his music is possibly diverse enough as possibly one of the more important people in musical history. Annie Lennox is a female David Bowie. David Bowie set trends for even the Beatles. Well, that's, that's, that's cool that you knew him. Now that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's slow down a little bit. There are many things that you and I can discuss today, <clears throat> but we're not apt to get through them all. However... Um, I noticed that you uh, knew a friend of mine, Carl Schleicher. Dr. And Dr. Carl Schleicher? Yeah, the late Carl Dr. Schleicher. Dr. Carl Schleicher was the smoking man, and uh, the guy that hired me after I worked with SEALs, Navy SEALs, he, I was SEAL Corporation, is the one that hired me to be Northwest Regional Director of MRU. I was yeah. out of Seattle, Washington, with Dr. Wilbur Franklin, who was out of Kent State, and worked out of the University of Chicago. So tell me, what what were your duties? I mean, I talked with Carl many times about mankind research, and uh, we go back a long <laughs> ways. But what were your duties with uh, mankind what were research? My duties? Uh, I had possibly as many as twenty ongoing projects at any given moment, uh, working out of either Livermore, uh, Stanford Research Institute, China Lake, the BSRL, Patel. Douglas United Nuclear, those were all facilities where we had ongoing projects in paranormal. Whenever the Navy encountered anything that was out of the ordinary, they brought in A-Team. And I normally led A-Team as MRU and uh, worked at different universities. With uh, Nettemeyer was at the UW. He was the one that developed the uh, trigger for the nuclear bomb and had given me a couple of grad students that were working on pyramid power and uh, sonic bloom, you know, the idea of talking to plants. We did all of those kinds of things back then. Whenever it was a West Coast project, it fell into my bailiwick. And that's where we did things like synthetic telepathy and the early mind wars. Uh, In the lab next to me, Dr. Moore was doing ketamine, telepathine, and BZ studies. On the other side, Delgado, before he moved to Yale, was doing chip implants with the Rhesus monkey. And you don't even want to know what I was doing. 
<laughs> well, actually, well, you clearly you baited me into that. I do. <laughs> well, I'm writing a book on that called Spook Central. That will be on the work I did with MRU. Spook's uncle. Okay. Well, look, I also know Lynn and Sheila, um, the, uh, authors of the Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain. And I'm the guy you... that did Keith Milton Reinhardt out of Seattle and the Aquarian Foundation. That's one of the reasons, before Helmut Schmidt was brought in, that was one of the reasons we had the Manager Foundation in Topeka. We started with biofeedback laboratories at the UW based on J&J Enterprise on their single-gain amplifiers. It later became John Fluke. We were the early years doing blue-sky research. It all has changed now. Well, tell me. It changed and became application. If it didn't have an application, it wasn't studied. That was because there was no need for any more advancements in science, as far as I can read it. Let's let's drop back into the seventies. I mean, you knew uh, Reisel, Doctor Reisel, um, and he fled Czechoslovakia, but he was famous for uh, utilizing his skills and abilities to win lotteries. Have you yeah. done that? <laughs> we'll talk about that if you'd like. Uh, I was the one that debriefed Milan Reisel. He was being chased around. Uh, he was in Czechoslovakia. He was being manned by a bunch of spooked Bulgarians that were constantly encroaching on the laboratories. And uh, he finally defected. They brought him to Seattle where I debriefed him, and that led to my ESP induction through forms of self-hypnosis and was the first protocol I trained Navy SEALs with, how to think with the gut. And... Uh, enteric nervous system. Now, Rizal then moved down to, I believe he was in University of Los Angeles, where he eventually died a few years back. He was teaching until his very late years. He was about 12 years old. I think he was about 12 years older than I was. He was in his 80s when he died. Um, So That's a long time ago, and I haven't talked to Dr. Rizal in probably 10 years. So. Okay. All right. Well, but so you, you learned this technique that you then taught Navy SEALs. Flesh that out for us so we understand what it is that you're talking about when so you say listen to the nervous control, system. When I worked with Edgar Mitchell, we did some ESP experiments with John Piracos and James Hurtak. And mm-hmm. that was part of the, I think it was Apollo 14. It might have been 13, but I think it was 14 mission studies. That's how old I'm getting. And we did these experiments where we could study to determine whether or not psi energy was outside space-time. As it turns out, it was instantaneous and was not blocked by things like the moon or distances like the distance to the moon. There was no attenuation. And so, and it was outside space-time, which meant... We needed a new model for understanding how that all works. And that led me to the algebraic expression that you'll find in the ESP book. That book was published by Nick Begich and has a forward by Nick uh, with Earth Pulse Press. Yeah, I know, Nick. I know, Nick. That's a long time ago. I was teaching that since the early 70s and was... <clears throat> challenged at one moment by Duke University where they brought in Gene Dixon 
and uh, Civil Leak and the usual suspects. And I showed the model protocols worked so far better than psychism that I won that tournament, first psychic tournament, uh, national, international psychic tournament, uh, and by two orders of magnitude. And it isn't me. It is a protocol. We all have the ability to work with instinct. We've just forgotten. And it's one of the reasons why we look at animals and recognize that there's something about a dog that we're missing. And okay, so now this intuition, this idea of thinking with the gut, where it's outside space-time, the gut, it turns out, in a new book I'm writing called The Non-Local Mind in a Holographic Universe. It's third in the series of the ESP toward, uh, toward a uh, uh, level of consciousness, you know, the advancement of consciousness. Right, We're right. trying to evolve, and there are layers of awareness that come in of which the way I chose SEAL Unit 1 uh, was those that could think with their gut. They were instinctually correct. Now, all of us can do it, but once I had that, they were chosen for their abilities to be working with instinct and not rational mind. We had extremely intelligent people working in, in the early SEAL units, one, two, and three. That was SEAL Corporation at the time I was doing. It was out of Amherst and it was not at that time called Navy SEALs. And we had some astronauts and some other spooks that went through the program where I would teach them these protocols. Today, those protocols are part of the junior year at Annapolis. And it's instinctual working with your gut and working not with the logic mind. The logic mind, or second brain, if you will, is the one that will get you killed because that brain's primary purpose is to make all your beliefs true. One of the protocols and power tools, which sequels the ESP book, is the eight protocols I developed for SEALs, and that is where I taught how to change a belief like you would a pair of clothing. If you were a staunch Christian and two aliens walked in the door, would you be able to save them? I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't have believed it. And so we wanted to make belief systems part of a toolkit rather than an absolute driver. Because if you're a Christian and you went into Iraq, you could get yourself killed with your belief systems. And so we wanted to teach them how to make their mission their purpose so that it was outside space-time and what happened was what was supposed to happen because that's why you're here. Dixon and Leak, Sybil Leak, not lightweights. What were the targets that you were using in that competition? I'm not getting your your volume went off on me, and I couldn't hear. On I'm, I'm sorry. I said Sybil Leak and Gene Dixon were not lightweights. What were the targets that you were using in that they competition? Used, um, a system of four variables, uh, five variables, in uh, a run of 20, and then they did a number of runs of 20 for an averaging. Most of Civil League and Gene Dixon were from 9 out of 5. 5 would have been normal out of 9 to 12. I didn't have a single score 
under 16 out of 20. 16 out of 20, and I am not a psychic. Okay, let's talk... That was using random card generators like they did before Helmut Schmidt came out with a random number generator that was later used on, um, oh, I don't know, what was his name out of Portland? Um, Tiller? No, no, Bill, Bill was someone that worked at Stanford under me. Uh, Bill Tiller was there before, um, um, yeah, Bill and others down there at that time were doing things on the energetics of interfacing an object and causing changes because of viewing it. That was some of the work Tiller was doing at that time. Uh, Andrea Puharch was my mentor and was the person I worked under when I worked at Stanford and doing a project or two that Bill or some of the others might be doing. Um, I remember uh, the remote viewing and that later concepts came in in the very early 80s after I had left the military and gone into agriculture. Realize I uh, left the military in the late 70s and then became a farmer. I was one of Chuck Walters' pallbearers. And I have to tell you that it's only, I was 35 years in that area, and I'm only just now coming back into the fray because there's a need for people to have solid information on what's going on now. Okay, and I want to get to that uh, as well. Uh, good but, luck I, with that. But, but let's 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 <laughs> stay with your book for a minute. Isn't high enough to know. I will probably never know in some things. Let's stay with your book for a minute. ESP induction. Now, ESP. Flesh that out. I mean, extrasensory perception. What are you talking about, including radiesthesia? Explain that to our yeah, audience. Okay, so ESP is broken into two categories, either inside the body or outside the body. If it's inside the body, it's called ESP. If it's outside the body, it's PK phenomena. And that would include levitation, apportation, and some of the other physical things that occur out there. It will also, at some point, include... Uh, what we call uh, remote viewing. Now, ESP inside the body, the relationship of remote viewing is astral projection. Now, mm-hmm. information is assumed to be at every point in space, simply connected. Rather than talk about a quantum universe, which is space-time, what that gives you is an indeterminacy with Heisenberg. And the more you know about one thing, the less you know about something else. However, in a holographic system, now you deal with information and resolution of information. And I have arbitrarily chosen Timothy Leary's neurologic circuits as a way to talk about how a mental brought pattern goes from this size to the next. You start with the physical plane. The next level of awareness would be the emotional plane where you're adding your feelings to how you feel about the physical plane, and that's why they call EQ higher than IQ. And then you go to Plato's concept of the uh, intellectual plane, where the basic form concept applies. And the fourth level is the archetypal level of consciousness, where you are me, and I am you, and I am the walrus. There are four more layers upward. And each drug, including ketamine or alcohol, 
has a specific geometric molecule in the way the physical information pulls down into or out of itself in a mean-like progression. All right. Well, you know, the reason you're introducing the drug and its uh, formation in our brain are yeah. what causes us to experience such things as time. Roger, uh, Robert Ornstein once said that time is a duration of consciousness. It is the way we store memory. And you can change your perception of time with breath control. Another protocol in power tools. ESP was the first protocol I trained Navy SEALs. There were eight basic protocols that we used, each one dealing with one of the elements, earth, air, fire, and water, spirit. And you will find that each one of these is related. Biofeedback, for example, was related to emotional plane because you could control the autonomic functions of the central nervous system with just your mind and being able to listen to your body. All right. I know. So, I'm so sorry. You're asking me to cram it all in, and I'm going to try to make it simple, and at the same time, leave it with enough detail that you get the broader picture if you're listening carefully. Yeah, well, listen careful. That's a that's a key phrase right there. Uh, we're covering an awful lot of material here really fast, and I'm seeing a lot of comments flying in from the chat room that are saying, you know, where's the evidence for this? So where's evidence the evidence that we were on the moon? Well, one of the where's the evidence that we detonated a nuclear device on on Mars? That will probably never be disclosed any more than the Nazi base that existed in Antarctica. However, I was physically there, and I saw the base. So that's that. Now, where is that vetted in your history books? It's not, you know. And, and, the, and so, well, I would suspect that the reason is we're not supposed to know. Why? Uh, why are we not supposed yeah, to know? why. Oh, you know, we're just a sheeple. We're just here to be the well, consumption animals. We're just here to drive the economy. What right. is the why? What is the why? I don't know, but I can tell you one thing for sure. We are headed toward a mass extinction artificially and naturally. So who's doing that and what purpose? It would be as if in that movie, The Day After Tomorrow, when that fat guy is speaking for the president because he's dead or something, saying we won't disclose for their own good. All it will do is cause panic. The problem is he's not as smart as me, so what right does he have to make that decision for me? Okay. I watched in the Mars Project, no, excuse me, the Martian in the movie where NASA said we're not going to tell the astronauts returning home to let them know that their buddy is still alive because we want them to focus on their mission. Now, is that right or wrong? Well, I read they, the book. I saw the movie. In my view, it's wrong. But, for the rest but, of us. Yeah, okay. Uh, I guess the problem is. And history has always been written by the victor. All right. Let's go to your Earth 
issues then. Let's talk about the nature of... Uh, you, you started with chemtrails. Um, you know, there's a lot of geoengineering going on on the planet right now. and I, don't I am think going there's... to be speaking in Ashland, Oregon, a Friday night on the 13 different kinds of chemtrails that have now been identified. There are okay. 13 different kinds of chemtrails going on right now, one right. of which is lithium being deployed in, in Oregon. Okay, so let's just talk about that here instead of in Oregon. We'll talk about that for our radio uh, audience out there. Up in the one that is primary right now, as far as I can tell, is fly ash, and it's coming out of Chilliwack, just north of you. Hmm. They turn around down here at uh, Klamath Falls, and your skies are riddled. You are now noticing we've had, just in Oregon... 13 different weeks with triple digits. Historic. We've never been this hot. And the wells where I live in Oregon right now are beginning to pull sand. There is no question. There is a change in weather because of some of this geoengineering mess. And I have to say, some of it is extremely, like the lithium, is extremely toxic. And then you get into the more creepy ones that are dumping acetone or other kinds of chemistries that have been vetted by numerous different laboratories. There's a bunch of different things that they're doing. My guess is, and I probably won't ever know, many of them are United Nations or what we call New World Order projects that are for global warming. And as far as I remember, the guy that set up the Weather Channel and owns the Weather Channel just went out and started suing Al Gore to break this public on the shock of what global warming is and is not, trying to settle it one day and once and for all. This is nuts. And the problem is there's so much disinformation out there, we'll probably never really know. The only reason I... We have a hard break. We have a hard break coming. We have a hard break coming, Dr. Miller. When we come back, when we come back, we will pick up the various forms of chemtrails and the most important part, why. If you would like to know more about our guest, Dr. Richard Adam Miller and his work, Visit his website at DocRam.com. Now, we have a video for you during the break featuring our guest discussing life on Mars. Kind of timely since NASA announced liquid water on Mars just a week or so ago. You can view it by joining the chat room. Just go to ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High Is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. 
This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Dr. Richard Allen Miller about his research and newest book, ESP, Induction Through Forms of Self-Hypnosis. Now, Dr. Miller, we just played your second musical choice, Analytics, performing a whiter shade of pale. Tell us, why is this one important to you? The interference is so bad, I'm barely able to hear what you're saying. Have you noticed how it has increased? No, I I have not noticed that. You're having difficulty hearing me? Very much so, and I apologize because I've got my volume up as high as it'll go, and my um, and the static with CenturyLink is terrible. Well, I'll have the producer kick up what they can kick up to you, and I'll try that one again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You heard the whiter shade of pale just played. That was your second musical choice. Why is that one important to you, sir? Um, possibly better as a quality singer than even Barbara Streisand. I am wired differently and can opt. I don't hear music, I see it. And um, I, that means in jazz and other things of that nature, I can often see things people can't hear. Synesthesia. is a female, David Bowie. The third song that you'll be playing is a group out of Portland that now live in Paris called Oregon. And they do Richie Taito, which is the peyote morning song after the ritual is over. And I chose that as a way to end the show in music. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, you, you got some peyote nearby so that you can... <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was <laughs> sanctioned by the Northern Cheyenne and did the first two illegal peyote rituals in Olala, Washington, for the Puyallups when I brought the medicine back. There was a medicine lodge on the whole with David Fourlions, who was the leader of it, and we took a longboat up, all the way up to Nia Bay to bring the, music, uh, the medicine back to the, to the macaw. This is their songs and dance, the history, like Enemy Mine, where they sing their history. And I have to say, I am an extremely spiritual man because I used to teach that in 1970 at Evergreen when I was first faculty. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, let me, I mean, since you brought up spirituality, let's just, you know, stay there for a second. I want to get back to the chemtrails in a minute. But look, <laughs> look you, you, you brought up some things that are kind of dire, you know, uh, you know, end times. Uh, yeah. It sounds like, you know, you're, you're an eschatological prophet here to tell us, hey, we better get our lives right. And, and you know, I suppose we all have a spiritual duty to do everything that we can do to assist our fellow human beings. At least I believe that. What when you when you're out telling everybody these things, um, they're frightening. They're scary. How do you uh, how do you balance that in your spiritual life? Spirituality is not what you do, but how you do it. It is the quality of intent, and intent for all basic levels of a consciousness that we currently enjoy is as close to purpose as you can get. Now, intent means that what you do at the end of the day, whether you did it kicking and screaming and fighting all the way, creating karma, or you flowed and allowed like Buddha, the mountain to come to him. You have a choice on how you choose to participate. And that is where you call the realm of spirituality. So I'm going to come back and ask you the same question again. Yes. I'll have uh-huh. phrase it differently. It's a serious thing, and it's difficult to respond to. Yes, please. Do you feel a compulsion to share this information because you have a spiritual obligation to help your fellow mankind? That is always part of the stew. You must always remove the bay leaf. Uh, There is a metaphor there, and I challenge you to find it. But (laughs) the idea is, how could I not... Okay, let's go back to chemtrails, Dr. Miller. What on earth, what would be, you know, uh, you talked about one world government. Um, you know, what is the motive behind uh, geoengineering our planet? Is it to reduce the population? Is it to manage the radiation? What is it about? The stock answer would be yes to all of the above. Remember, there are many different kinds of geoengineering right now, and many of them are at cross-purposes. 
and all of them are supposedly toward the betterment of men, i.e., there are too many people on earth, and we need to reduce the population as the prime directive. Okay, do you, there are, of course, those folks that have drawn correlations, and a correlation is not a causation, but they've drawn some heavy-duty correlations between certain forms of chemtrails and disease. Have you seen that correlation yourself? Absolutely. That's one of the things I'll be talking about and how to at least semi-defend yourself and or bioremediate some of these creepy heavy metals like, uh, listen, we are, you can put a swab inside your mouth right now, put it on a slide, and at 600 mics, you can see the polymer. Now, that is an extremovite bacteria that was taken from the stratosphere and modified into a nanobot that will create a polymer that will generate itself and create more polymer that is easily then lined with barium or aluminum oxide, and that can be used as a waveguide for communications instead of having to use the Van Allen belt. There are other applications. That's one of them. And you'll find that polymer in all of us. It's in your food. It's in the ground. And now one of the reasons, including Fukushima, why now everything that you're going to be growing, it needs to be done in a greenhouse. And there's now need for a different level of hygiene in the way you do business when you come in from outside, one of which is you leave your shoes at the door. Okay. Uh, Are you getting it? Yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand I mean, what you're like saying. it's happening across the board, and it isn't just aluminum and barium oxide. There's one application, which is a bio-EPI. Now, that is a chip implant that is airborne, that can, and they delivered the, H1, uh, the H5N1 virus, and it's genome-specific. A whole bunch of people globally got sick from the swine flu because of a deployment of an airborne variety of that in what I would call a cyber attack on, you know, uh, uh, pandemic. You are aware that in the 50s, the Navy tested the uh, fog in San Francisco as a bacterial carrying agent and actually sprayed two bacteria into the fog. Yes, and originally in San Francisco were using yeah. iodine in an attempt to create a non-fog airport so they could land aircraft when they wanted. didn't work, but they're slowly, that's what led to the first geoengineering, was those experiments in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, well, the one I'm talking about, they, a man actually died, and the family sued. They were able to demonstrate, prove adequately that the Navy had dispersed these two bacteria and that it had caused this man's death. But the court ruled the government has the right to do that, and we don't have a right to sue them. Uh, What's your thoughts on that, given the state of geoengineering going on? Well, I'm concerned with such things as Agenda 21 and all the rest of it. Jade Helm was an excuse to vet software, which we will call Jade 2.0, on being able to have a supercomputer and call out your intent before you even
even know what you're going to do. It's something out of Minority Report. Yes, the technology has gotten to a place where it's now overrun everything. Just like in the movie, Skynet. It's not going to go like that, but, you know, Hollywood, if she could, let me tell you. You want to know what's happening? Watch sci-fi. You uh, you mentioned earlier that if we're going to grow our own food, we need to do it in a greenhouse. That presupposes we've got problems with atmosphere and water, or just atmosphere? Well, just in the atmosphere, you've got Fukushima, you've got yeah. this fly ash, and now you've got other things and polymers and other kinds of crap that are particulating down. This is one of the talks I'm going to run down on exactly which ones are which. And it's unbelievable. I've identified 13 different kinds, and many of them are coming out of Chilliwack into Spokane. What does that suggest? It's international. What does that mean? United Nations. So you you, you see... I'm just trying to get this picture kind of straight in my head. Yeah. You see... What's going on then in Syria is a false flag. I mean, Probably. so we're flying and Russia's flying. That's a distraction. And, and the rest of it, yeah. Yeah, that's all false flag. That's just to keep us away from paying attention to what's really going on and what's yeah, really like good. children over here. And wait, children over there. And what they're doing, the three basic words used for Americans today is ignorant, ill-informed, and complacent. Now, the good news is, everybody listening to me right now is starting to get it. And that's the part where I feel vindicated, or at least trying to cover what I did previously with military. And by the way, none of this, to my knowledge, is military. It is something far more sinister and larger. For example, grades, 40th down, Johnson & Johnson Wax has a budget that is four times the state of Oregon. And who was it? Jimmy Carter, last month in ARP, was interviewed, and he said, in so many words, Washington is for sale. Monsanto went after Connecticut and forced them to take the GMO bill off the off the wall for vote, or they were going to bankrupt that state. Okay, well, That's let's take... you're up against. Let's do this. And there, there is a correlation between Monsanto and chemtrails. Do you want to flesh that out well, for well, us? one of those is their weight, their new aluminum-resistant plant. Mm-hmm. Now, the, <laughs> you can't have it always. And what they're doing is now creating a product that is, does not allow the human body to uptake the minerals we need, so we are now going to be forced to take supplements. That was recently discussed by a Nobel Prize winning scientist in San Francisco just a couple of days ago when he came out and said so. The, the whole thing is insidious. And while money is a theatrical prop, it's not real. What's real is labor. And what we have now is a bunch of Walmart stores closing. And when I was in Kansas City, they closed 13 Walmart stores. And last year I said that when you see the closing of Walmart, 
will be the beginning of the end of the financial institutions. And watch what happens in the next few months with money and the concept of currency. China is in a world of hurt. It's not about China going after us. It is about a group of select individuals that are manipulating everything. The so-called elite 80 families that control 90, 95% of the wealth in the world? Is that what you're referring to? It could to? be. That's one place to start. You could go with hollow earth and all the different kinds of aliens. I'm going to say this. Basically, the imagination is reality, and we are creating our own aliens and apocalypse with our thoughts and belief systems. That's how it works. Right, right now, if you were an alien, where could you hide in plain sight? And I would suggest it might be in the fourth genome of your blood type, where the war for Earth is going on inside each of us on an archetypal level. Now, that's a metaphor, but is clear in, as a bell in terms of the why you are God's chosen or favored, because you have choice okay before i leave chemtrails i want you to flesh out you know the use of a chemtrail as a weapon of war and it how it interfaces a number of things global yeah. warming trying to reflect the heat back that's the excuse that they use as the general one however how about somebody that chose not to do fracking and didn't want to bury the fly ash from coal in the ground, it was cheaper and easier to deploy it in a deep, rich atmosphere that was a million times more or less toxic. Okay, what are now, your thoughts on the team? doing with a lot of things, and unfortunately, it is a way of cutting corners with dollars that are affecting the aesthetics of looking at clouds. Children today don't even know what a real cloud looks like anymore. What are your thoughts on the TPP and its uh, subordination of both our Constitution and in other countries, how it, uh, it, it overrides rulings that would keep GMO out? So you can't read the Constitution? Yeah. The whole thing is about dumbing down America. I remember a time when I was going to school, I'm 72 now, where Latin was required in second grade. Hmm. Where'd that go? Yeah, well, where'd all the music and the well, arts? And, and the so-called Common Core concept. My SEALs, SEAL Unit 1, are now doing a thing called the Urban Farm Project of North America, where we go in and turn playgrounds into community gardens and then have children grow the farm with wildflowers to feed the homeless. We did that in Chattanooga. We're now doing that in Mexico City. It is a paradigm shift in agriculture with educational reform. And I don't like to use the word reform, but basically children are smarter than we are. And they make better food choices. And how is it that an autistic child can take and grow a better bedding plant than a master gardener? You know, we have lost sight of what our real resources are. They are our children. That is the most abundant natural resource. And I have met Temple Grandin, and there is nothing wrong with that woman. And autistic children are a gift. 
people that have or are stuck with them, if you will, end up having a whole different concept of love that they experience from an autistic child that a normal child has been socially programmed out. Now, I have some issues here, and it's time that the world realizes that nothing we're being told is real, and that the real truth of all of it lies inside each of us. And while it may seem different for each of us, that part is God's will. And as a Quaker, I will not make judgment on another. I will simply say that we're missing the big picture. And that is what my great-grandfather said to Rudolf Seiner, when the lodge master. He said, we are no longer at war in the physical world, that if we want to change this world, we change ourselves and the world changes with us. And so to answer your original question on spirituality, I am sitting here waiting for other people to wake up and do their part because none of us get out of here until each of us does it. And it is happening. Okay, bioremedial. I'm going to pick that one up. And you're willing to talk about everything hot or otherwise. Tell me about the disinformation related to vaccines. Vaccines are another way of causing global extinction. Their vaccines are worse than the drugs, uh, than, uh, than uh, the disease they're supposed to cure. They're, and to require them is a good reason to consider homeschool and why that is now becoming more and more popular. And when you talk about Moonbeam, Brown down in California requiring that, where is he coming from? The whole thing is a bunch of hooey, and it's time we draw some lines and say so. I won't take an inoculation for anything. And the way Yoda would put it, my gun you may have, after I give you my bullets, I will. <laughs> All right. I, I don't mean to be... I'm politically incorrect. I'm not an oath keeper. I am going to say, as a trainer of Navy SEALs and having done my tour with every limb in my body now having titanium, I will simply say, this is no longer the America I served and protected. There are more and more people saying that today. Why? Uh, for lots of reasons, I think we uh, we Obama, are the half of the European Congress think he's nuts that there's something physically wrong with him, a screw loose. He's a megalomaniac, and basically, if you look at what they're offering up for presidency coming up, a president is supposed to be our finest and most educated. What happened to the Dulles brothers? What happened to uh, look? This is crazy. My, uh, to basically, having a reality uh, coach, uh, TV star, running for president is about as crazy as Jesse Ventura running for vice president. And so when you realize that the Democratic Party is doing essentially a fait accompli with Hillary Clinton, Hillary, when she's in, the first thing she's going to do is uh, point her husband Bill Clinton to head the United Nations, and now you will have the single most powerful couple in the world working directly for the Bushes.
I have to say something else. This whole thing is wrong, and it's not going to change except one person at a time making a commitment to what they feel is correct, not worrying or not worrying. You, you can't worry, and fear is the first enemy of man. The problem is <clears throat> we only need 2% to change the rest of the world, and they are listening right now. That's all it takes. All right, we've got another break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about structured water. And uh, we're going to get a chance to pick that one up and see what your thoughts and feelings are on some of these intention experiments, as well as what we need to pay attention to in our water more than ever before. We're glad you tuned in today. We know you have many choices, and we're grateful you chose to join us. We love your feedback, so please join me on Facebook or drop me an email at Eldon at EldonTaylor.com. I love sharing your letters and comments on the show, and that's a great way for you to participate. Now, remember, in this next half hour, we will take your questions. So if you have questions, be prepared to put them forward in our chat room or give us a phone call, and you can talk to our guest yourself, Dr. Miller. All right, we'll be right back following this short break. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Inner talk changes the way you talk to yourself, and that changes everything. For when you truly believe in yourself and your own abilities, magic happens. End self-doubt and or self-destructive patterns now. Inner talk has over 300 programs to choose from, ranging from health and wellness to prosperity and success, from accelerated learning to relationships, from habits and addictions to spirituality. Patented, proven to work, and guaranteed. Go to www.innertalk.com today. Hi, I'm Eldon Taylor, and you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment Radio. I'm so glad you could join me as we tackle those tough questions in search of the answers that really matter. But remember, this is a journey we are undertaking together, so I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Please send your comments to Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at EldonTaylor.com. You can also join in the conversation by joining me on Facebook at Dr. Eldon Taylor, that's D-R-E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Now, back to the show.
Welcome back. We've been chatting with Dr. Richard Allen Miller about his life, work, research, and books. In this half hour, we will take your calls. So if you have questions, give us a call or advance your comments and questions in our chat room. And remember, I love your feedback, and a great place for that is on Facebook, so I invite you to join me there today. All right, Dr. Miller, we have cell memory, and you were just listening to your uh, your peyote music. Did it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you feel it? I get it every time. You know, that music originated in 1948 when the Native American church first came to part, and I have the actual songs from the Paiute and the Ute and the Chihuahua and others that used to do the peyote. Now, peyote is not a tradition. It was a political edge, just like growing narcotics on a reservation is now. I've got a bunch of Indians out here growing, uh, uh, what is it, great scarlet poppy for codeine with a uh, Yurok, have their own port of export to sell to other countries. Really? Yeah. (laughs) We got them into, uh, we might as well get them into drug dealing. We got them into gambling and, uh, you know, the rest (laughs) of it, so we might as well. Everything out here is a big bunch of gambling and other kinds of... uh, well, you can, you can look at it this way, you know, where the Native Americans are concerned. That, yeah, we uh, were allegedly we traded them out of everything for a handful of beads. I and know, now when you I walk know. into it's their terrible. casinos, they trade you out of everything for a handful of plastic just as well. Hey, well, that's called potlatch and white <laughs> men going to lose. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, listen, before the break, uh, I wanted to touch on this structured water before I take calls or or turn uh, questions sure. to the chat room. So tell us about, you know, the issue with structured water. What, what is the situation with our water, and what is your... Uh, water is unusual in that it has many... This is a chapter in my new book on the how psyche is brought into matter. Uh, mm-hmm. on structured what using the memory and structure of water. Water is so small that it has many, many variations. You have deuterium and tritium as isotopes. You have Terry uh, Reams water, like H709 clustered water with a free radical ion. You have Dr. Uh, Jerry Pollack's concept of exclusion zone water, which is basically... Uh, water that uh, ha- it's a hydrogen peroxide H2O2 with a third hydrogen molecule brought in. Now, where that occurs, imagine you have a pool of water and you have a drop of water that falls and hits the pool. When that hits the pool, you'll see there's a little drop of water that bounces back up a little bit. That is not really a drop of water anymore. What it is is a small film of water that has captured the medium, in this case air, and is forming a cavitation ball. And that thin zone of water is H3O2, where the explicit forms of memory occur. That is brought about by the activation of light. And we're doing studies with homeopathy with Weston Roy at Penn State, where a single drop of something, homeopathy, into the water restructures the entire content of the water in terms of the way it lines up. When what they talk about memory of water, memory means that when it touches something 
not water, it has a memory of what it is, and its relationship to that is different for each thing. Plastic, you lose all your surface tension. However, if you have tellurium, it will run right up that wall and over the edge and out, just like a siphon. And that has to do with the electrostatic fields in the various forms of water. There are also para and ortho water, which are levorotary systems. So water has a variety of things that all interface with an object to form a memory of what it's touching and how it relates to it. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Water's memory system is one million times, that's six zeros, more efficient than gallium arsenide. And so in our future computers, most likely the computer chip used will be water. In fact, the water on Mars is a different structure of water than we have on Earth because of Boyle's Law. And water on Mars flows uh, at 100 minus 100 Fahrenheit is still in a liquid phase. Now, I have to say some further. They just demonstrate that in The Martian, which is worth watching. It brings in all of our technology and how it works. The book itself is excellent. And the director captured the essence of it, which is almost impossible. It would be like trying to capture the essence of Dune. If they did it, but it took a monumental effort of, of directing to get the subtleties of what a Fremen is and its relationship to a Dune planet. David Bowie, my first song, was a man who fell to Earth in 1967, one year before Frank Herbert wrote about Dune. And, uh, you know, the waterless planet. Now, I am interested in water because it is possibly the mechanism that takes and makes our imagination real. And that is not so much the Zen forms of a moto. I'm always discouraged by that forms of science. However, the intentionality experiment itself has demonstrated that there's something more going on on the nature of thought and how it interfaces with the physical world. And my guess is it's through the structure of water. And Jerry Pollack, who's Professor Emeritus now in anesthesiology at the UW, has written a simple, easy-to-understand book called, you know, The Fourth Phase of Water. There are actually now 18 known phases of water, one of which is on Mars. So we have different ways water exists in nature, and now we're only just now realizing that possibly with monoatomic gold and colloidal silver and our understandings of these things, there may be more than one periodic chart just like there is in a holographic system where you have resolutions, where you have a whole series of different charts in terms of the way water interfaces with different structured other elements. Gotcha. Okay, you uh, you mentioned water memory, and of course, uh, I think you know one of the okay, earlier. That, okay, here I got. No, that's idea. okay. That's okay. Uh, one this, of the things it, I did with Navy SEALs is we structured the water. That means that no matter where we went, we always carried a very small vial of baking soda. No matter what kind of water you had, 
God, you had a big flask of water. If you put a small pinch of baking soda in it, it will change and restructure the water in such a manner that the pH returns closer to 7.0, where it will be more easily assimilated in the body. If you're drinking water out of a plastic bottle and that lights at it, it has restructured the water to plastic to the point where the pH drops to 6.8. And really, it's at 8.4 where you're able to use water in digestion rather than having to pull it from bone marrow. Okay, where I wanted to go with that question was uh, homeopathy. Benvenisti, uh, Benvenisti uh, is the man who basically showed us initially that you could dilute the water, dilute the water, dilute the water, and you still had the memory of an original, whatever the substance was that had been added to the water. Uh, and most recently, I understand that he's converted that to frequency, and he's actually looking at filing patents where you vibrate a frequency at someone as opposed to, say, give them a shot of penicillin. Are, yes, there are three patents now out in that regard using special bandwidth in the microwave region that will restructure the water using frequency or, you know, wavelength, gigahertz wavelength. Right, right. And this okay. has uh, actual patents now on that where they ex sell exclusion zone water. However, when you go on the Internet... I will always remind all of you, let the buyer beware. This technology is so new, everybody's jumping on it with combat shoes and charging any kind of price, and who knows what they're really delivering. Right. The way you can do this in actually knowing is you use Riemann spectrophotometry, where you look at the shadow reflections in the discharge of light hitting the water itself. And using Ramon or Riemann spectrophotometry is the way that's normally done now. And that way, you know for a fact what you have. All right. Now, I'm going to, you know, I've just got a few minutes here, and I've got a stack of questions and calls, but I there's some minutes. <laughs> well, maybe Listen, we'll come back, huh? Uh, yeah, Carl and I talked once about the Soviet, uh, our Soviet embassy and the use of scalar energy to drop frequencies uh, above it and the influence it may have had on uh, a couple of our ambassadors. Are you familiar with this one? That is synthetic telepathy and a paper I've written I'd be happy to upload to anyone that writes to me. It's called Synthetic Telepathy in the Early Mind Wars. It's a large document. talks about the work I did with Dr. Carl Schleicher in that regard. Basically, it's in the point three to three gigahertz, originally discovered by Alan Frey as another sense in our sense of, 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 of sensing the outside world. We have other uh, data points besides our five senses, one of which is in the microwave band with the temporal lobes. And this is one of the ways that I encountered Krill at Area 51 and how I was able to communicate. I could not understand how that all worked until I started to understand Alan Frey's work at Willow Grove. Basically, what the microwave band does is it heterodynes. Uh, what you do is you heterodyne it, and it, the, the microwave itself causes the temporal lobes as a piezoelectric crystal to ring. And once it's ringing, you can heterodyne voices and hear them in your head. And that was the early mind wars that they were doing with Woodpecker and some of the other things that the Russians were doing that Carl would refer to. Basically... The city that got beamed big time 
during that era was Eugene Arkin. And why everybody in Eugene's nuts? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I'm <laughs> but, you know, there are some that would suggest there are no universities in Oregon. I, uh, I have to laugh and go back to my sweet old man thing, because I don't want to be too serious in doom and gloom. And so I did want to add just a slight edge of levity here. All right. I, I, I'd like that paper. You have my email. Please send it to me, would you? I'm going to yes, jump I to would. the... I'd be happy to, Eldon. You betcha. I have Thank some others you. that I can tell. I have, a, I have a one on the work I'm talking about now on the new directions of mind control. They I'd are altering. I do not eat wheat of any form now. They are altering a gene in wheat having nothing to do with gluten or galatomorphin. That is to activate a bacteria in your gut that you got from a cat. And T. gondii is referred to in the literature as little mind benders. And when you eat wheat, you are opening that door for that bacteria to take over and become activated by the wheat you're eating. All right, please send that one, too. I'm most interested. Okay, let me get to the chat room here and uh, honor their questions. Uh, okay, Mark. You have a very astute crowd, and they're going to ask complicated questions that I may not be able to know how to I doubt, I doubt that. Oh. Uh, you know, the very first question in here, I'll give you the softball first. I'm looking at some tough questions. Uh, Olive, I guess it is, or O.V., uh, asks, how many hours has Dr. Miller in a day to do so many things? <laughs> yeah, big, well, that's why they call me a polymath. I actually am a world authority in a number of different fields. I actually studied uh, with Kubler-Ross and James Hillman and then spent two weeks in the jungles with Eben Alexander. And so last year up in, in Mexico. And uh, I feel as if I've been blessed and I'm a very lucky and wealthy man. I have no money. Starving artist comes to mind. However, my realization of net or new, the fact that I'm a hermetic Kabbalist, uh, would belie the fact that I now feel like I'm a very wealthy man. I get the big picture. I get the whole thing and what we're to do and how. Uh, how to disclose that to others? Well, that's my intent today. I want you to be challenged by things that I say, and I'm hoping that you take what I've said and go further than I have with it. You certainly opened a lot of uh, a lot of inquiry. All right, next question. Out of the chat room, uh, please ask Dr. Miller to repeat his instructions on taking a swab sample and looking at it under the microscope as proof for chemtrails. What magnification is he talking 600 about? Mic, uh, 600 what? magnification. Okay, what would it take? Uh, you can get that. Would it take a, a special? From a university used cheap, I might add, really cheap. Okay, would it take a special staining method? Does a uh, regular medically grade micro? doesn't require staining. It's right there. There it is. You can see it. It's why your saliva is now white. All of you are experiencing dehydration maximally. You're drinking almost at night three times the water you normally used to, and your saliva is white. There it is. Okay. Mark says, what do you think of cultural relativism, and do we have free will? No. Man does not have free will. He has true will. 
free will. This is covered in Power Tools and Chapter 8 on the ontology of mystical states, where free will would presume you have full disclosure. Because you do have do not have free will, you have true will, you do not have rights, you have responsibilities. You have a responsibility for the thoughts you choose to entertain, whether they came from mind control or they came from some neurotic childhood trauma. You have the right to disseminate that and can as easily as that. It isn't that it takes you over like a zombie. A zombie will most likely be someone from East L.A. when they're out of food. <laughs> okay. All right, how about the cultural relative part? You yep. can't get a kidder. You have the choice. That's what God gave you. And the distinction between intent, which you actually end up doing, and your purpose, which is why you're here, is so close as to be not indistinguishable at our level of awareness. And that's why they now have the J2.0 software that can actually predict what you're going to do before even you can. However, there is a difference between intent and intentionality. And the Stanford argument is the distinction between intent and intentionality where Maxwell Smart said, missed it by that much. <laughs> what you oh. end up doing at the end of the day, is intent at this level of awareness. Translate your intent then to the cultural relative aspect of his question, because, you know, um, are we responsible in any way, shape, or form for uh, improving the world? Uh, that you are girl... responsible for saving yourself. If you do that and only that, the rest of the world will save itself by example. Teach your children well. Okay, but that doesn't really answer the question. You well, know, uh, it does, because you have, uh, you have to, you can't save the world. What you can do is save yourself one person at a time, and at some level of the archetypal level of encounter, we are all the same person. If you start with yourself, everyone else will do that also. That is a metaphor of how it works. Okay, so we've had several conversations on this show. Let me just give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, two young ladies in um, India, ages 15 and 23, were sentenced to be raped, then paraded in public naked with their faces painted black because their brother ran away with a married woman. Cultural relativity says I should just accept that. That is normal to their culture. There's no reason for me to be offended to write the embassy in India, uh, to make noise with my legislator, or to otherwise care. Point. The question is, should we care? Of course you should care. And make sure that you yourself don't do it because your children could be seen as uh, your reincarnation mini-me's watching how you do your pedophile or creep. If you're a drug addict, of course your children are going to be drug addicts. That's where they uh, learn how to do it. All right, let's get another quick question in here. 
Richard says, I find it odd and sad that at a time when we are on the verge of some really amazing advances in consciousness, we are at the same time facing potential annihilation. What do you think of the apparent irony in that? It was Joseph Campbell that said, we are, he, he said uh, that when you see the kingdom of the Father on earth, the apocalypse has already occurred. It is perpetual in its potential. It is part of the length, girth, and width of man. How much energy you put into that over the fact that you can seek things like joy. You talk about love. The next level of the four layers of Eros, Philo, Agape, and Telema would be bliss and bliss states. And there are eight jhana states in the Hindu systems that talk about higher states of consciousness. However, the Quaker talk about a highest form of bliss, which is joy. And that is your purpose. That will be what you do when all else is gone, and that's the only thing you have to give men. That is, in fact, the most valuable thing you have to give men is your joy of what you are right. doing, Stamp. Collecting, all right, Dr. Miller. Whatever. We're out of time. I want to, in 30 seconds, tell everybody how they can get joy and learn more about you, get your books, well, etc. You start with the anthologies. My website is richardallenmiller.com, A-L-A-N. I have a blog at docram.com. I have gofundme.com forward slash Richard Allen Miller for another 10 manuscripts ready to go to press. The books I recommend now are the ESP and Power Tools as two of the three books in the series. The one going to press this next month will be The Non-Local Mind in Holographic. All right. We want to thank you, Dr. Miller, for your willingness to share everything with us today. We've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment, and I want to thank all of you out there for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends, let's have them join us as well. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.